Public's Perspective has added timestamps for your benefit because this is an all sports podcast, so feel free to skip around and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Public Perspective, Episode 5. I'm Ocean Vistritsky, joined, as always, by Ari Richmond. And uh, we're just going to get right into some really big news here. On Tuesday afternoon, the MLB proposed an 82-game plan to the Players Association. And then later Tuesday night, uh, the news broke that Arizona and Florida professional sports can resume without fans starting Saturday. So... This, I think, is really, really big news for the MLB in particular because the MLB has spring training games in Arizona and in Florida, and they have all those facilities that can be used. And I think this is just amazing because they can split up the AL in one state, the NL in the other state. And uh, I think this is really just the best way to start uh, one sport and uh, Major League Baseball, I think, is going to jump on this opportunity, and and I just think this is this is awesome for all those dire baseball fans out there, uh, just just dying for for some games. Yeah, depending on how long the players have to train before they can get into game shape and stuff, I think uh, before July fifteenth around there, we could have a baseball season starting, and I was, I mean, eighty two games, you know, it's it's not the best. We'd obviously have love, love to have our 162-game season. But an 82-game season will still be able to end the you know, the season in November as it usually ends, and it won't have ramifications in the 2021 season, unlike other leagues that already the NBA is definitely going to have a later start to their season next year. And I think the MLB could get it going, get the season started by mid-July, it would be really good for the league, and you know it has a good system. Split it up: ALNL, Arizona, Florida, and it'll work. And it'll really uh, work out. Yes, and um, something that was thrown into that plan uh, was that the universal DH may actually be in play uh, on a, as a test run for the 2020 season. So, uh, just wanted to hear your take on that. Yeah, the DH, personally, I'm not really a fan of the DH. I liked as a Met fan in the NL, not having a DH. It's it's definitely uh, an, an advantage to have your pitcher not hitting for AL teams, but now it's going to be a universal thing now. And I don't like it because I like keeping your tradition of having letting pitchers hit. You know, you have nine positions in the field. All those nine guys should be hitting. Why are we taking the easy way out by having a DH and – it's also an advantage to some teams that have good hitting pitchers, like the Madison, the Madison Bumgarners of the world, the Jacob DeGroms of the world, that could hit, and it was an advantage for them. I just like preserving our history, our pastime, and I'm not really a fan of this, but, you know, it's in effect now, and it, that's going to be the future of the league. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, growing up a Mets fan, uh, me and you, our pitchers really just have always been able to hit, and it's, it's, it's been a really great advantage to have over the rest of the NL East and the rest of the NL. And um, I think when you take this away, it, it just this, – this this is a part of the game that teams worked on. Teams worked on having that, their pitchers being able to hit because it's a, it's a big advantage. And you're just taking away another aspect of the game. And I think that baseball is really the sport more than others that, that we really don't like to change because it's so much about – about how it's America's pastime and it's so it's so it's so much history involved in baseball and baseball's really the first sport of, of the four and, and all that. And I just think that we, we really don't like to see changes in baseball. And um yeah, I'm really not a fan either of this uh universal DH. 
And also, I think about having this pitcher say, give us little great moments. One of the best met moments in the past decade, Bartolo Colon hitting one out in San Diego. I mean, it just makes for these cool, you know, whenever a pitcher hits a home run, it's news. A pitcher hit a grand slam, it's news. I think it's a, it was a cool thing. And this, this DH and the NL, you could change up a lot of things strategically for teams. It's going to now the whole the whole way the game is played is going to be played how it was in the AL. There's no uh, there's no changes when you go play interleague games, World Series, obviously, and it's it's going to be different. It's going to watch the game, watching the games is going to feel different, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how it works. It'll definitely be fun. It could boost the ratings possibly with more home runs going out of the park. But I hear what they're doing, but I don't like it. Yeah, I think uh, we really fell in love with the pitchers who rate the, the you know, those videos from uh, those computer folks, as Dave Gettleman would say at ESPN, right. always sending us right. those pitchers who rate videos. I think everyone really fell in love with those, and uh, it's it's just a part of the game, as you said, it was Bartolo Colon. It's a part of the game that that we'll definitely miss. Um, let's move on to NBA. We really haven't talked a lot of NBA on the show so far, um, but we're gonna get into a major NBA topic. Uh, towards the end of the season that always comes up, and that's all-NBA teams. Uh, we have all-NBA first team, second team, third team, and we have an all-rookie team here for you. So, uh, Ari's going to get us started with the all-NBA first team. Yeah, and on uh, our, our uh, all-NBA first team, we have James Harden, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. That's our first team. Uh, any thoughts right over after that? Uh, yeah, I just I I think you have that dynamic duo in uh, LA with bringing home the number one seed. Uh, it's really Showtime Lakers all over again. Um, and something I want to add is that James Harden I think is really still an underappreciated player, and it's he averaged what thirty five point nine or something like that, and yeah, thirty four like, points a game. I, yeah, and everyone just hates on him, and and I just really don't understand why. I mean, he's winning games. You can't expect him to come in first place every season, but he's winning games. He's averaging crazy amount of points, and like I really like James Harden. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. I think he's a very yeah, underappreciated player. Another amazing scoring season for him. Obviously, leading the league, even through the games that he played, he's still the 15th best scoring season of all time. His 271 three pointers lead the league. He still is averaging seven assists a game. It's not like he's a as a ball hog and. Looking into the advanced stats, he's first in win shares. I mean, if you know basketball and you probably know what win shares are, it, uh, it's the accumulation of how much wins you contribute to a team. And he's, he's valuable to, to – he's in the MVP race for a reason. And he contributes well as a team player. And, and I think he's underappreciated. As you said, he's, he's a scoring machine. If, you put up, if you're averaging 34 points a game, you're putting up 34 points basically every night. You can't have nights where you score under 20 so much because – to keep up those numbers, it's crazy. And the way he, in the beginning of the year, how he would just, at the end of the year, yes, he fell off, which hurt him a little bit. But over the year, 18 games over 40 points, six games over 50 points, 40 games over 30 points. I mean, every night, this guy was just putting up big numbers. It's ridiculous what he does on a nightly basis. Yeah, um, I think when you do 34 and 7, that's that's not even a ball hog anymore. That's just a, uh, an awesome all-around player. And uh, Luca averaging nearly a triple double, twenty eight, nine, and eight. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. It looked like uh, he might have gotten hurt in in this uh, in the season long All NBA because uh, he did get injured, but ends up just playing just about as many games as everyone else uh, at fifty four. Uh, yeah, definitely deserves the spot on the on the All NBA first team. Yeah, Luca Luca leading the league with fourteen triple doubles and. He really made the, made the jump this year, uh, leading his team to a 40 and 27 record. I mean, he was hurt, but his supporting cast was uh, was was not too was not too great. Chris Porzingis was not is not the next Dirk. Like he's he's just not that. It's not what he is. He's not he's not an amazing player. He's not gonna be a perennial All Star. Just not what he is, as we saw this year. And Luca putting his team on his back, putting up 14 triple doubles, almost averaging one. Still sixth in the league in points per game, fourth in assists per game. And he rebounds great. I mean, he's a, he's a second coming of a less athletic version and a more outside scoring version of Russell Westbrook. And not to compare the two because they, diff- they have different body types like that. But still, I think Luka had an amazing season, and I have him in the All NBA first team. Yeah, I do think uh, I do think Chris Apps is is definitely yes a very uh, good player. I don't think he's as great as people thought he would be, and and Luka really. 
took a huge leap this year, as you said. Um, Giannis, you, you want to talk about Giannis? Giannis? I, I think I think definitely maybe the most dominating player in the league right now at, at this point. Uh, I know there's big talk about LeBron this league and his career is still dominating, but I don't even think he dominates on the level that Giannis does at this point right now. I think Giannis just – he's really the best player in the NBA right now. I don't think it's a question. Yeah, Giannis was the MVP, averaging 29-13-5, third in rebounds per game and third in points per game. That just shows how what he does. His his player efficiency rating is, is first in the league. He's second in win shares behind Harden. And the other thing this year, I think – he also would have won. He would. He was my pick for MVP, and he's also my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. He was an insane defender this year. Um, he could defend all five positions. He was the first in defensive win shares, first in defensive box plus minus. I I loved Jan this year. I mean, last year was amazing. He took another jump this year. At the 53 and 12 record for the Bucks just shows he even improved his three-point shooting a little bit. I, I'm running out of words to describe this guy. He's the Greek freak. is He's he's amazing. He's a, a different human. He's he, he's not even human. He, the guy, what the guy does on an NBA basketball court shouldn't be able to be done with his body, his strength, and athleticism. Yeah, that's why they call him the Greek freak. I think I think back to back MVP seasons is definitely in order for Giannis. And um, let's let's move on to the to the second team. Uh, we have Dame at the one, uh, Simmons, Kawhi, Tatum, and the Joker. Uh, start us off. Um, so you, I'm a massive fan of Ben Simmons, and you think about that. Oh, why do you have Ben Simmons over Trey Young and stuff like that? I just spoke about Giannis being taking the jump, being being an amazing defender this year. Ben Simmons made it also a jump as a defender this year. He could also. With that body and his length, he could defend all five all five positions as well. And he led the league in steals per game. He is his eight assists, his fifth in the league. And his his driving kick is is what I love about his game the most. How you know, obviously the three point shooting it's not there, but driving to the basket, Ben Simmons is has become one of the best in basketball at that. He's an amazing passer too. With with Embiid out, and there was a, there was a stretch where Embiid got for nine straight games. He went six and three with those games out in Embiid. They beat the Lakers and the Clippers and the Clippers in, in that stretch. Also, it was just showing that Ben Simmons could be a number one. This is coming off the news uh, a couple weeks back or last week that he might want out of Philadelphia. I found Philadelphia. I want Ben Simmons on my team. I'm trying to make him stay and see if the pairing with Embiid could work going down the road. Yeah, and I really think that that he really dominated during that stretch that you, that you spoke about. And Ben Simmons really. He gets he gets a lot of hate for not shooting the three ball, but if you watch him play and you and you really really watch him play, yeah. he does not need the three ball in his game. He dominates on his drive. He's just he's stronger than everyone. He's quicker than everyone, and he's just really just an amazing team player. Uh, also a near triple double for him, and uh, really also a very underappreciated player. And I think that if if you watch him play and you dive into the numbers, he definitely deserves a spot on this team. Uh, despite not being able to shoot the three ball as well as people would, would like him to. It definitely, as you said, people that say Ben Simmons isn't good because he can't shoot threes, start watching the Sixers games and start watching basketball. He doesn't need a three in his game. Obviously, it'll help him. And if he adds a three to his game, you know, the heights that he could reach is, is amazing. But if you watch his games, he's, he's an amazing basketball player. And he truly does not need a three ball. Yeah. I mean, out of our other guard spot, uh, you want to talk about Dean, I know you love him. Yeah, so uh, as as uh, everyone knows, Damian Lillard is my absolute favorite uh, player in the NBA. I think the reason why is because if if any if anyone can choose, if you could take anyone in the NBA right now uh, to have on your team uh, one shot down by three, I think every single person would choose Damian Lillard. And and just he's so just so cold blooded, and and he he doesn't care he doesn't care, and he he's just such a dominating player. And I really think that that he's he's an unguardable player. If you, if you watch his quickness, people think he's small and he, and he, and and he's not and he's not a dominating player. But if you watch his quickness, his drive to the hoop, uh, it's it's he's so fast and he and he never misses around the rim. And that tear that he went on before before he got hurt for the All Star break, I think that truly showed how great he can be because he he just went on like a five game run of fifty points a game yeah, or more than here. 
six game yeah, run you have of the 61, numbers. 61, 47, 50, 36, 48, 51. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's me. one of the greatest stretches of all time in, 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 in was, 5 16 stand. Yeah, me and you every night, uh, whenever game was on, on League, on league Pass, we were like, game on tonight, you know, is he going to score? How much is he going to score tonight? And it was over over 45, like, is he going to score 60? That game against the Warriors, the most prolific one, where he had some really clutch shots. He yeah, was, he, I think he, he was did amazing. it in regulation and overtime. The clutch shot, yeah. that's why I keep – I, I just keep talking about that. And there's nobody you would pick in the NBA over Damian Lillard to have the ball in his hand down by three. And that's, that's just what makes him such an amazing player. And uh, All-NBA second team, um, some people may be first, some people would say maybe third, but I think really, really just a great player all around and, and a dominating one at that. Yeah, another guy I want to talk about on, our, on, our, on this team here uh, as we go down the line, uh, Nikola Jokic, one of my favorite players. Uh, you know, coming to coming in the beginning of the season, I think it was around like the first twenty games. He showed up. He was overweight. You know, maybe he went back to Serbia and did some partying over there over the summer. But he gained weight and he was sloppy and slow. But after that, he he turned it on. He had twelve triple doubles over the year for center, which is is ridiculous. That's third in the league total triple doubles. He had a game where he had thirty points, twenty rebounds, and ten assists, which only a feat that's only been achieved 11 times, I believe. And his team is third in the West. He, he's he been a leader. He's top five in the MVP conversation for sure. Most points among centers with that 20, 10, and 7 line. He's just an all-around He's all around center. He's really coming on as a star in this league. Yeah, and, and for a guy who was picked in the second round, um, I, I nobody expected this, and he just keeps showing us how – how you know the 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 fat white mold anyone can do anything i think is what is what the joker is trying to show us and he's just really an amazing basketball player and and a perennial all-star as you like to say yeah jokic down the line uh he's gonna end up he, i think he could bring the nuggets to title down there they never had one and i think uh nicole jokic could be the guy that brings them one uh, speaking I think really, of, they, they really do have something special there with that young core that just keeps getting better every single year. We saw Jamal Murray take a big leap, and I think the Nuggets really do have something special going forward. I don't think you're too far off with that prediction. And, uh, speaking of uh, young and uprising stars, maybe uh, a little bit of a hot take here, having uh, Jason Tatum on our second team. But, this, again, uh, we said Jokic had a bad beginning of the year. Not like Tatum was bad at the beginning of the year, but the late season run uh, propelled him to stardom. With Kemba Walker out, he in February he went he had a nine and two. Uh, the Celtics went nine and two in February, and Tatum only had one game under twenty points. He had thirty nine a thirty nine point win against a thirty nine point game against the Lakers and a forty one point game against the Clippers. Good teams, and Tatum just broke out, and the Celtics went off. And he's he's a leader. This dude. His first All-Star appearance this year, he's his third year in the league, he's young, and Celtics have a bright future with Jason Tatum. I think if the season kept on going, we would have saw more of Tatum, and this second team All-NBA would have been more uh, – we would have been able to back it up more, but I still think this second team All-NBA is, is definitely – Jason Tatum is well-deserved by making this honor. Yeah, I think I think we we really like the, the, the up-and-coming NBA stars. Tatum, another guy who made a huge leap, and uh, – 16th in the NBA in scoring. That's just that's amazing uh, uh, for for a guy in his third year, and um, I just think he he really made a he really made a big leap here that that wasn't expected. Yeah, I mean people people saw it, it wasn't expected in, in the in the fact that in your third year you're just not supposed to do things that he's been doing leading the team. Right, like that. right, exactly. He he definitely has the talent, but I think nobody saw this coming because because he never. He never showed that he can do something like this, and then he just blew up. And our, our last guy on the on our second team, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the man in his needs no introduction. Uh, eighth in points per game. He's still been a still been a lockdown defender, averaging twenty seven game. I said eighth in points. He's still he's still a mid range killer. He's a lockdown defender, and the load management hurts him. But it just shows how valuable it is to the team. The Clippers were six and seven without him, and with him they were thirty eight and thirteen, which is really great percentage it would have been third third place in the league so i think uh Kawhi needs I mean what do you have to say about Kawhi? is amazing um i think 
uh, right, right as the season got uh, postponed, uh, you told me this is going to be this is going to hurt the Clippers um, more than anyone else because what the Clippers were doing was they were holding out and they were they were going to get to play together at the end of the year and they're going to be healthy for the playoffs and and I think this tactic maybe hurts Kawhi in a lot of people's minds for this year because a great postseason last year, but people were thinking maybe um, didn't play so much in the regular season and, and therefore doesn't deserve a spot on the NBA team. But I think, like, like we keep talking about the dominant factor, uh, uh, that just like the eye test. And when you watch Kawhi, he's really just a lockdown defender and, and really just dominates the game on both ends of the floor. And uh, there's nobody he can't guard and there's nobody he can't post up on the offensive end. And I think that's really what, what, uh, what brings us to put Kawhi Leonard on the NBA second team. Yeah, the the words I used was uh, the Clippers the whole year. They were saying it's a the the season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it turned out, I mean, it was a sprint in the end. And that that w- I don't know how the NBA is going to work out. Obviously, that's a conversation that is longer and not to speak in passing. But it it would it's going to hurt them. I feel like if there's a postseason, the chemistry and and all that. Moving on to our third team, we have uh, Russell Westbrook, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, Rudy Gobert, and Joel Embiid. First thoughts, Moshe? Um, so what I really want to talk, focus on is uh, is Trey Young because because I think that we we really have a difference a a, a little bit of a difference of opinion here uh, for for the first time in these with these teams. I love Trey Young. I think that he's he's losing, but he really has nobody around him. And he just you see every night he just make he sets people up. He makes everybody around him better. And I think I think it sucks for him that they're not giving him talent. And I would love to see them go make a move. Um, it, uh, Atlanta really hasn't been a destination for free agents in the past, but I think people might might want to come and play along with Trey Young. And I think he's just a superstar and he's just an amazing player. And and really, really on the offensive end, there's there's really not many players that I would take over Trey Young in the NBA. Uh, and I know we've there's been problems with him on the defensive end, but I really think there's still time for him to to perfect that. And and right now, if I was a player in the NBA going into free agency, I would love to play with Trey Young. And I think they're going to get him some help, and I think maybe uh, some wins in store for the Hawks. Okay, um, saying that. He's his defensive problems, and he can get better going on. That's true, but this season, he's arguably the worst defender in the NBA. At for his, for how good he is on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, he is he's awful. His I'm just I'm sorry if I'm coming off as an NBA geek or something, but I'm very into the analytics. So if you don't like that, then. I don't know what to say to you, but the analytics are there. The advanced stats are there. His defensive rating, he's 400. There's 467 players in the NBA with a better defensive rating with him. His defensive win shares is negative 2.84. He makes his team lose by his defense. At 193 players, there's – let me just check right here. But but he wins on his offense. He's when a guy ever. I don't care. 30, 30 I don't care. Forty three percent shooting. I, mean, I feel like Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith, but I think that Trey Young definitely is 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 a top six guard in the NBA. I, I don't think you could find these six guards better than Trey Young right now. Thirty points on forty three percent defense. He's two hundred eighty fourth in defensive win shares out of one hundred ninety three eligible players for defensive box plus minus, which is per hundred possessions your estimation of defensive points given up. He's the second to worst player in the NBA at defensive box plus minus. But that's why you draft a guy like Cam Reddish, and that's why in free agency you're going to go get a defensive player to play. Yeah, well, show me improvement. Him. Show me improvement, and I'll respect you for making an uh, All NBA third team. You're you're a dynamic offensive player. Steph Curry, he he's. I was about to bring defense. that up. I think we saw well, Clay Thompson uh, uh, really take the load off Steph uh, early on, and Steph, Steph has Curry, gone better lately. And, Steph Curry and I think is Trey Young definitely can do that. Steph Curry is an awful defender. But he is not as bad as Trey Young. Trey Young is the worst, the worst defender in the NBA. He's he cannot play defense. He's a liability. And I'm sorry, I'm getting a little uh, worked up here, but I'm not a fan of Trey Young. Basketball is there's two sides of basketball. You can't just make highlights for, for Beach Report on Instagram and put up 50 points and shoot from the logo. 
it's your liability defensively, and they're not going to be successful if you can't play defense. And that's it. That's the bottom line. You don't play defense, you're not going to win games, you're not going to win championships. You're going to put up a ton of, ton of points per game. You're going to, you know, go down the record books with all these point records, but your team's not going to win anything if you can't play defense. So, yeah, a little okay. random thing for Richie. I mean, uh, <laughs> we see Richie go off from time to time, and uh, usually it's it's about the Giants and, and, and the Jets and whatever, whatever New York trash yeah, team. I don't like for I mean, I think at, I mean, at I this don't... point, Richie, Richie was craving a rant, so we're going to move on from this. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we're going to go to the all-rookie team. So I'm going to start us off. Uh, we'll go player by player here. Uh, a little bit less to talk about, so we, we want to go a little bit slower here. Uh, John Morant, I think uh, rookie of the year, um, I think Agreed. he was going to take it. No, I know yeah. Zion came on yeah. a little bit a little bit strong, but Zion, uh, Ja was going to take it. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Zion only played 19 games. Uh, ja was going to take that award. Obviously, we have Zion on our team because Zion, you know, in the games he played, he was, I believe, uh, I believe 16th in the NBA in points per game, which is right now, 17th in NBA points per game in the games he played. He was amazing. You know, he brought the Pelicans as the season would have gone forward. I think they were, uh, they were in the, they're coming into playoff contention, but Ja the entire year, when he, going 32 and 33 uh, with this young uh, Grizzlies young core and another guy we have in our, our record team, Brandon Clark. Um, He's he's really uh he really came on uh during the course of the year. His inside game is flowed really well with Ja. He has this nice uh floater move inside which I watched a bunch of Grizzlies games and Brandon Clark has this one move where he turns in this little floater and it just goes in every time. It's it's really uh, beautiful to watch for his game. At first uh you know, Ja, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, that's the young core that's gonna it's gonna do great things in this league. That's uh our Three guys on our all rookie team. A fourth guy. Um, I just want to add one more thing about about John Moran is that to lead this team to the eighth seed, um, a team that is really, if if you really look at it, their good players have no experience, and their experienced players really aren't good. And to lead a team like that to the eighth seed, I think shows you a lot uh, about his maturity level and about uh, just about how how greedy he actually is. And then Zion. Uh, definitely a great player, and and he came on very very strong towards the end of the season. But we would love to see more from him, and I think Ja was going to take that award. Um, and then yeah. our third player, uh, we were going to have Tyler Hero. Uh, I spoke about Brandon Clark, but yeah, Tyler Hero. Right, we we were going to have Brandon Clark. So so let's go to Tyler Hero uh, at our other guard position. Yeah, you know, uh, Tyler Hero is a vital part of that fourth place Miami Heat team. He's that that shooter that the surrounded uh, Butler with shooters, uh, and Hero Hero worked perfectly for that. Coming on in, coming on this year, you know, no one really expected how good he would be, but Hero and Duncan Robinson, the, those those shooters right there, they really propelled the Heat to what they are. I don't think the Heat would have been this, you know, not really. A sh- I don't think they were shocked. They were a shock team. People knew they were going to the playoffs, but no one thought they would perform this well. I think Hero was a massive part of that, and. His shooting's only gonna get better. Yeah, and I think uh, that's really a scary thing to say, but I don't think it's not. I, I don't think it's untrue. I think he shot thirteen. He he scored thirteen points a game on thirty nine percent from three, and I think he's gonna get better. And and he he's gonna get better off the dribble. And I think mean, they really surrounded uh, uh, Jimmy Butler with amazing players. I think this is a, a Heat team with some good young players uh, and uh, and and really a star in Jimmy Butler uh, that could go a long way. Uh, so now let's go uh, to our third forward position. Really, uh, not really, uh, not really any centers on this team. Um, we'll go to Eric Pascal, who came on as really a bit of a surprise. Uh, round two, pick forty-one. Uh, Richie, you want to go? Yeah, Eric Pascal got put in the perfect situation this year with with uh, the Golden State Warriors, all their stars out. Pascal came in and. He did. He did what a guy was supposed to do. A young player was supposed to do. When you give him a chance, you take it. And with Curry, Thompson, Green out, he averaged 14 points a game. You know the team wasn't good, but he was still efficient. And he still night after night, you know, you saw Pascal would have solid games. And and in a weak rookie class, you know, this is not Eric Pascal has not been some amazing player. Tyler here has not been some amazing player. But the rookies this year, they were not amazing. And Pascal really shown really was shining bright this year as a rookie for Golden State. And going forward, I think uh, wherever the Golden State gets in the draft, they're going to have a high pick. 
Pascal was was a steal in the draft in the second round, and he's going to be a vital part of their plans going forward. Yeah, and I think uh, if there's one team that this all this benefited uh, really, really big time, because I think the NBA is not coming back, and I think that benefits the Warriors because Steph came back right before uh, the, the cancellation of the season, and I think they're going to keep that high pick. And Pascal is is now. Uh, has cemented himself as one of the core pieces to keep on a Warriors team that's going to go right back to being a dynasty. Um, I just want to say real real quickly before we move on that that Kobe White, uh, if this season went, went the full way, Kobe White was going to make this team. Uh, he really, really came on strong towards the end. Uh, yeah, definitely. He had like a string of 30-point games at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think I think they, they started feeding him the ball. He started getting opportunity to lead the team, and and they did pull out a couple of wins, and maybe even even uh, some backcourt mates that we might be able to see uh, with Kobe White and Zach Levine uh, might be able to see a, a backcourt mates that can go a long way. Should I give a shout-out also? Go for it. Shout-out Terrence Davis, uh, guard in the Raptors, undrafted rookie. I mean, the stats, you don't really see it in the stats, but Kyle Lowry was hurt a little bit, Fred Van was hurt a little bit, and Terrence Davis as a rookie, undrafted, came in, and he was a really good player for that team watching the game. Just wanted to give him a shout-out, uh, Terrence Davis. He was uh, my honorable mention. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I think that's that's definitely a very good call because undrafted players, there's always that, that those one or two guys that come on, and Terrence Davis definitely deserves that, that award as an undrafted player uh, this year who came on really, really strong. Um, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss – our breakout candidates for for the NFL, or or are we gonna go to the the schedules? Well, let's start off with breakout candidates. I think. Uh, yeah. All right. So 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 when we come back from our break, we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss breakout candidates for the NFL this coming up season. Whether you're playing football in your brand new white Nike cleats, or taking a stroll around the block to get some air while cooped up with the family, you need to look fresh, and at AZ Kicks will help you do that. Once again, that's A-Z-K-I-C-K-Z. Make sure you check him out on Instagram, TikTok. He will make you look amazing. He'll be the freshest guy wherever you go. He'll customize your shoes. That's A-Z-K-I-C-K-Z, official sponsor of Public Perspective Podcast. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to give you our breakout players. We'll each give you three guys, and then we'll close out the show with NFL schedules. Uh, Richie, take it away. Start us off. Just to intro, uh... My first guy here, the last two seasons, the MVP was a player in the second year. Two years ago, Patrick Mahomes, last year, Lamar Jackson. And I think the the guy with the best chance to do that this year and the guy that's really going to break out is Tyler Murray. He was extremely dynamic last year, but the weapons really weren't there. The O-line wasn't really there. And I think this year, you know, Ken, Ken and Drake, he improved as last year went on. Uh, they got him to the trade deadline. And obviously the addition of John Deere Hopkins and – you know, being more experienced in the Cliff Kingsbury, that complex offense of theirs, and Murray getting more mature, I think that he can really come on and really be actually an MVP candidate. And they are in a tough division, but I think Kyle's going to come on and prove that, you know, he's made for this. And he, he's going to be a really good quarterback coming to the line. This year, he's gonna, I think he's going to break out, and he's going to take his game to a new new height in the second year. Yep, NFC West quarterback, of course, that's just the way it's been. Um, I'm going to stay with the quarterbacks, and I'm going to stay with an MVP candidate, at least in my books, and that's Baker Mayfield. I think uh, with Conklin and Wills on the O-line, uh, really I think all, all the bad habits we saw Baker slip into, uh, I think that will help him get out of it. I think the weapons are really still there. The run game is definitely going to be a, a really strong point with uh, Chubb and Hunt, and I think this is, this is an offense we're about to see explode um, and really, really actually make a run at the Ravens for the NFC, uh, for the AFC North, I'm sorry, and uh, we'll talk about that more later. But definitely my number one breakout candidate, uh, Baker. I think it's finally time for him to to show us what he's got. Yeah, Baker. Uh, the pressure is definitely on for him to uh, make a jump this year with, I think, a better situation than last year. My second guy, um, another person that he came on a little bit at the end of the year, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver for the Raiders. And the reason, main reason I think this is because what they did in the draft, batting Henry Ruggs. Uh, Renfro in the slot and Ruggs being that vertical receiver down the field, 
it's going to really improve uh, for, for Renfro. I think you said before the show that he's a Julian Edelman type of guy that just they need that downfield threat to be there. So the whole game's going to open up for him. And year two, more familiar with Carr, which I think is always a plus for, for a receiver and a quarterback. And I could see this guy breaking out and, and really being a good good slot receiver, one of the best slot receivers we have in, in the league. And obviously with the addition of Ruggs. I think if Ruggs, could pan, if Ruggs pans out and he is what he's expected to be, Hunter Renfro will have a breakout season this year. Yeah, and I think uh, d- definitely uh, that addition of Ruggs is gonna is gonna bring out the best. Um, I'm gonna stay with the Ra- with the Raiders. So so really the Raiders really building a, a good young core that we we seem to love here on the show. I'm gonna go to the defensive side. I'm gonna go to Trayvon Mullen, and I think that th- this is a this is a front seven that a front a front four that that came on beautifully last year in uh. In, in Farrell towards the end, and Crosby really the whole year was there. And I think now now you got Kwiatkowski and Littleton at, at linebacker. Um, uh, you add the Marius Randall at safety, who we really uh, like to see come on a little bit more. But um, uh, and now and now you're gonna have Trayvon Mullen here at the corner at the cornerback position. Uh, we really didn't like the way they addressed that position in the draft, and I think he's gonna be thrown into that number one spot. And I I think he really has the tools and the traits to show up and be a number one corner on his defense. That that is young and exciting, and I and I think can really show up this year. It definitely uh, what he did in the draft there. It uh, puts the heat on Mullen, but I agree with you. I think he has the tools and the traits to to really break out this year and and become a top tier corner in the NFL. My third and final guy is Ronald Jones. I've coming out of the draft of people who I talked to about football when a couple of years back to coming out of the draft, they know that I was a really big fan of him. And his couple of years, you know, he was stuck behind Peyton Barber, and he didn't really wasn't so effective. But with the Peyton Barber leaving, and I I get they drafted a running back, but in Tom Brady's offense, we saw James White really was a really effective running back, and out of the out of the backfield, and that's what Ronald Jones is. He's a pass catching back, and for Brady, he 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 needs that. He needs that guy. You know, the pass catching backs in, in the league they were always very effective. And I think Ronald Jones, he's in the open field. He has tremendous skills, tremendous moves. He's fast. And I, I think Brady coming in is going to help this. And definitely the Peyton Barber leaving, Ronald Jones, is, I think, is going to emerge as one of the best running backs. And I think he's going to be one of the best running backs in, in the league, maybe even a Pro Bowl uh, hot take. But. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, uh, that it's definitely a hot take. Um, but – I think that Brady's just too smart of a of a quarterback to not value the checkdowns, and and he just knows he knows when to do when to when to check it down and when when the play's not there, and Ronald Jones the beneficiary of that. 100%. Yeah, right. so the, fit, uh, the fit with Brady for Jones, there's not a better quarterback that he could work with. But yeah, go on. Exactly, and uh, uh, so now for my third and final player, I'm actually gonna go with Brady's replacement in Jared Stidham, and everybody knows this about me uh, by now. I'm on the Stidham train. I think you sit you sit a year behind the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, with the greatest coach of all time, and 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 you're gonna learn some stuff. And I always thought Stidham coming out of college, he really he he had the traits. He he's pretty he's a pretty athletic kid. Uh, he he's got a strong arm. I I think he's really really has a chance to to blow up. And of course not not an MVP type type breakout like Kyler and Baker, but I think we can really see a big breakout here. And um, I'm gonna use this to transition. Uh, into our schedules because uh, week seven Niners at Patriots 425 and I think the reason why why we chose this game um, uh, this this is maybe going to be that 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 Tony Romo game or that Joe Buck game at 425 and I think that um, Niners Patriots this is Stidham's like like this is Stidham's chance right now because you have the real successor of Tom Reedy coming into Foxborough in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Bill Belichick's watching, and you have to prove to everyone in the world right now that Belichick, uh, uh, that 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 uh, Kraft made the right choice. I'm sorry by by shipping Garoppolo out of town, and and this is up to him right now. This is his team, and he's got to show that he's gonna outplay Garoppolo uh, once on the same field in Foxborough. Yeah, you, you could you could definitely see it in now uh, America's Game of the Week. Uh, Stidham on that national stage, you know, having to prove himself against the Tough 49er defense. If he's successful in the in the first in the beginning of the season, that Niners D will definitely be a big test for him. 
Um, so a game that I've been really, um, you know, the schedule just came out when the games would be played, but the teams were out before. And when we saw Chiefs Ravens uh, was going to be a game being played, I was like, yep, I'm watching that game. I cannot wait. And it's week three of Monday Night Football, two years back, one of the best football regular season games ever, the Chiefs Rams game. This Chiefs Ravens game, you know, it has that potential on Monday night. And, you know, the, these two dynamic offenses, these last two MVPs, there's going to be a lot of points scored, and it's going to be a really fun, entertaining game, and it's already circled on my calendar. Yeah, for sure. I think I, uh, week three on uh, Monday Night Football. So so I think definitely what we did for you guys is that we, we took a lot of primetime games uh, and 425 games because we all want to watch these games. And, and Chiefs Ravens, uh, I saw the, uh, an article that, this is the the NFL gave gave this as a reward to ESPN for for maybe not uh, getting the best games uh, on Monday night in the years past, and and I think a game of the year candidate in in Chiefs Ravens, the back to back MVPs, and uh, really a high scoring game with 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 pretty good defenses and just the, the best offenses in in the NFL, and I think this is just everything you look for in a primetime uh, matchup. Yeah, and also for. Uh... For ESPN, another plus, uh, along with the Chiefs Ravens, is not having to go to the store and Booger McFarland call their games. Another plus, just throwing that out there. Yeah, uh, we, we don't know who their replacements are, do we? No, but, I mean, how much more are they throwing at Peyton Manning? Like, like a billion dollars? They're just, they're just throwing cash at him, but he's just not taking it. I wonder who it's going to be. But I but I do think that whoever it is, it's, it's going to be better than Tess and Boog, that's for sure. Yeah, we, we could uh, So that. now let's go in order. So we have two games in week one for you. So, uh, Richie, you want to start us off with the uh, Bucks at Saints? Uh, yeah, Bucks at Saints. More, moreover, that you know it's getting hyped up, Brady versus Breeze, but we'll see that again later in the season. More, more, more the fact that I'm looking forward to this game is Tom Brady's first game in a Bucks uniform. It's it's going to be interesting to see what he does with these new weapons, this this new offense, and may, and in, in a different uniform, not a Patriot uniform, not a Patriot number twelve, and you know. The thing with Breeze that's there, but I'm most more looking forward. It, it's intriguing to see how how it's going to turn out. How are you going to Tampa and you know with a test on the road against the Saints, who I think is as most talented roster in football. And coming out of Week One, we're going to learn a lot about how the season's going to go. Yeah, I think that the, they do. The NFL did have a lot of uh, schedules here. Where Coming out of week one, we're going to see a lot of a, a lot of uh, foreshadowing for the rest of the season. And um, so, Bucks at Saints. What, what I I I really think that the Saints are going to take this division, and I don't think it's going to really be too much of a competition for them because their roster is just so talented. But the Bucks are going to own that that five seed, and I think what I'm really going to be most looking for here in week one is that the knock. Uh, there was there was no knock on Brady last year because. Everyone said no weapons, no weapons. Well, now we're giving you uh, a plethora of weapons. Uh, Evans, Godwin, Howard, uh, Gronk, Bray, Jones, Jones, your guy. I think the amount of weapons here are like, like, like it's every quarterback's dream to play with uh, players like this. And I think that that's, that's the thing I'm going to be most uh, looking for in week one. And um, uh, so Titans, Broncos, Monday night, this is going to be the second game of the doubleheader, so the, the, the Giants, Giants, 10 o'clock yeah. start, maybe the East Coast um, maybe the East Coast people won't really uh, get to watch this whole thing, but um, I think it's a very exciting game for a lot of reasons. Uh, Richie, you want to start us off here? Yeah. Um, Drew Locke era begins. Uh, first full season begins in this one. That young core we spoke about last podcast, and you know, also the Titans being in- intrigued with what they're going to do. Um come out last year that surprise performance to the AFC championship game and and just a good football matchup I think I mean you do more say on this one uh yeah I think I think the reason why we went with this game uh is because it's a different direction the rest of the teams are, are a lot of a lot of the same names really keep popping up because these, these are the big name teams it's gonna be but a good football that, game we know that it's gonna be a great football game um, the Titans went to AFC Championship. You can't forget that. And Derrick Henry's an absolute monster. Um, I think we're looking forward to see to seeing what Ryan Tannehill is going to give us in year year uh, two or year one and a half, if you want to call it that. And uh, the Bronc on the Broncos side, just they they just added uh, again like just a plethora of weapons. You got Hamler and Judy and Sutton and Fant 
and they really filled every hole besides for left tackle. And I really can't wait for for uh, the start of of Drew Lock in 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 the Mile High. Oh, also, uh, Drew Casey against his former team uh, just got traded. But yeah. Oh yes, a revenge game. Good, 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 good job pointing that out. I did not see that. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll go on here. Uh, another a game that is being played in Week One, Ravens Browns, but the game that we're going to talk about right now is the one in week 14 on Monday Night Football. Right. Uh, down the stretch, you know, we're going to really know if Baker and the Browns are the real deal or not. According to you, they will be. So this game is going to be massive for them. A division foe, one of these guys, one of these teams is going to win the division. We know it's not going to be the Bengals or the Steelers most probably. And this could have massive ramifications on national TV Monday night. It's going to be important and it's going to be telling for what's happening in the season then. And and it's just two talented teams in a divisional rivalry, and it's going to be a good game. It's a good game to look forward to. Yeah, and I think I think this is going to be the game that decides this division because uh, I think I think these teams uh, with both have had their bye will be the 13th out of 16 games, and 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 that's that's really the whole season behind them. And this this is the game where you're on Monday Night Football, you're on prime time. Uh, it's it's Lamar versus Baker, who I think is going to be the MVP, a big MVP candidate, and last year's MVP, and and all those weapons on the field. Um, this is going to be a, a crazy game to look out for, uh, with with uh, with with standings to be to be had. And uh, I think the the Steelers, some people I hear saying the Steelers might make a run for the division. That's just something I can't understand. In all my no, years no, watching no. football, I never saw. A court, uh, a thirty. How old is Big Ben? Thirty-eight. A thirty-eight-year-old quarterback coming off a season-ending elbow injury uh, to come back and make a run for the, for such a strong division. I just don't. Even, I, I think they're going to finish finish last on the Bengals because I think the Bengals have a great yeah, offense I, and yeah, that's going to show. They're they're going to be one of the my opinion, one of the worst teams in the league next year. Yeah, I agree, and uh, uh, I think um, so. Let's let's just move on to Week Six then. This is this is one of your favorite picks. Uh, Packers Buccaneers. So uh, why don't you tell us why? Yeah, this is going to be. I mean, unless Tom Brady plays till another four years or more than that, uh, it's going to be the last Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady matchup. And for that reason, and outside of of the teams, that reason is a reason you're not. And you're, you're going to have to tune into this game. It's going to be that will be coming. I can only imagine it'll be coming up to this the the news and the front pages of all these. Websites, Rogers, Brady, but but it's true, you know, two of the two of the greats of the past decade, you know, uh, Peyton Manning retired and, and Rogers took over that title of you know the other guy with Brady in the league, and it's it's going to be cool to see those guys go out and do and duel uh, one last time. They only met, uh, I think, two other times in their career, if I read correctly earlier, and and this 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 is the last one, and in terms of of the of their of their teams, I think this could have wild card ramifications. I think um neither team is gonna win their division and I think for a tiebreaker in the wild card this could have a could be a big game uh when it comes down to the playoffs. Yeah and, and, and I really think that uh I really don't like what the Packers didn't draft. Not not just because of the Jordan Love pick, but because uh in the second round they got a running back and then and then they and then what they did was they, they didn't get Rogers help and I think this is a game where that's where Rodgers is saving his anger for, and I think he's going to come out this game. He's going to come out firing, and it's the battle of twelve, and uh, this is really a game to watch. Um, so we got two games left. We have uh, Niners at Cowboys now on Sunday Night Football. So this is just this game is going to be. I think there's names flying all over the field in, in, in this one, and I think we said on the show last week the Cowboys are just going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, and 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 I just can't wait to see them against the, against this Niners defense. Yeah, uh, Cowboys offense and Niners defense. That's that's going to be really cool to see. And later in the year, um, these these games are both these teams both in divisions that are sort of up in the air. I'm not really sh- I'm not going to pencil in the Cowboys as NFC's division champs just yet. And obviously the NFC West is very hard. This is going to be a massive game uh, for for each team respectively. And they're both going to be g- good teams this year, m- most probably. And you know, the players are there. As you said. The quarterback names are there, as you said, and two of the most storage franchises in the NFL. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Uh, Sunday Night Football. 
And um, I think uh, week 17, so our last game is going to be Seahawks at the Niners, 425 games. So last year, uh, both of these games went down as classics, going down to the last play. Both games were walk-offs, um, and just uh, an inch decided the the division last year. And that's how, that's how close uh, these teams these teams are talent-wise, and and maybe not in every position, but definitely Russell Wilson making up the slack for us. And um, I just think that this is just gonna be another one of those games where it comes down to the division, and Wilson goes into Superman mode in the second half. And we we see everything that we saw last year uh, in in this in this series, and I just can't wait to watch. And I think maybe an, another flex to Sunday Night Football is in order for this weekend. Yeah, I was game. about to I was about to say the game is being billed as a four twenty four twenty five game, but we can very see a circumstance where that game is being bumped up to Sunday Night Football to that game where it decides it has playoff plus implications on it. Yeah, and and I think if 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 you really, if you were watching the games last year, you really saw that there was there was really a hatred, um, and and rivalries in football. I know they're they're sometimes not as big as people make it out to be, but these games these games were these games have storylines behind it. I mean, Sherman left Seattle for San Francisco, and uh, uh, Garoppolo throwing the ball at, at Wagner's chest last year in the overtime game. Wagner dropping it. There was some trash talk. Um, I know that, that, that people were calling Garoppolo a choker last year, and then he came back in Week 17, and he finished it off, and uh, the game decided by an inch, as I said before, and I just think that this is this has all the storylines, and this is just a game that, that I just can't wait to see as a Seahawks fan and, and as a football fan. Yeah, I mean, as you were saying, these, these teams, not only is a rivalry, they know each other inside out. The times they've played each other and, you know, the – the players have been there uh, over the years, and they know each other very well, and they have had good battles over the past couple of seasons. And Week 17, the NFL is smart, putting them in that in that spot where it could be flexed Sunday night. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. And you know, Week 17 is a long time away. Uh, we'll see how the NFL season, you know, with with the pandemic, how it's gonna turn out. But in week seventeen, I think there's one game on that slate to say it's gonna be gonna have a playoff implication on it. It will be that game. Uh yeah, and so that's gonna do it for episode five. Uh thanks for listening. Um maybe we'll try to get you back a little bit earlier in the week next week. I know it's been a while since the last one. Uh we thank you for listening. Uh you, you all have have a great one. Have a great weekend.